Guys, good Thursday afternoon. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville network through our studio in downtown Charlottesville, a show today that's presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Who's got your back? Dr. Wagner and his team at Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine undoubtedly have your back. A lot on today's talk show topic list. Look at the screen now and you'll see some of the headlines we're going to discuss. I've said for about a year now that public schools will determine a lot of the future of the Commonwealth of Virginia come voting time in November. And I'm going to stick with that statement. The shooting earlier this month in Newport News Public Schools, a shooting that has rocked the nation as a six-year-old snuck his mother's gun into an elementary school, a six-year-old who told a friend on the classroom on the recess playground that he had a gun on his person, a six-year-old who was reported by four different people in an elementary school to having a gun on his person, a six-year-old who was ignored by administrators in the elementary school despite warnings from four separate parties about him having a gun on his person, a six-year-old who is now, I think, out of the accountability, the accountability um, window, unfortunately. The six-year-old and his mom, I think, are, are, are out of the window of accountability. I think the accountability window has now shifted to the school system and to leadership and administrators in the school system and how they've botched this scenario. We'll give you the update and we'll localize it to Charlottesville schools and Almoral schools on today's talk show. Also on the show, we will relay to you what the newly minted police chief is doing later today. I think it's incredibly positive. Michael Kotchis is doing a walk and talk on Hardy Drive, along Hardy Drive, and the Charlottesville Police Department is encouraging the residents along Hardy Drive to interact with the police chief and other leaders in blue later this afternoon and to voice their concerns. So far, Kotchis has lived up to expectations. He's got a lot on his plate, but so far, the couple of weeks he's been on the job, he's lived up to the pressures and expectations of the shield, of the badge, and of the top spot on the Charlottesville Police Force. We'll talk about that on the show today. We'll talk the Lafayette Inn in Standardsville. The Lafayette Inn is for sale. It's an inn and restaurant. The asking price is $1,500,000. The real estate is included in this deal. We will offer perspective on this business opportunity today on the I Love Seville show. Look, I want to relay a topic to you to start the program that has a tie to Newport News, Virginia. But after I let you know the who, what, when, where, why, the players, the fallout, the collateral damage, and what we can expect next, Judah Wickhauer and I will localize this topic to Central Virginia and its public schools. Here's the nitty-gritty, okay? The fallout is becoming significantly more tangible in Newport News and the 757. I'll give you the background. A six-year-old allegedly shot his teacher in the chest earlier this month. This little boy, whose parents say has a, a, a learning and mental disability, 
snuck his mother's gun into an elementary school. This little boy snuck his mother's gun into an elementary school with a backpack and later transitioned the gun from his backpack to his actual person. You would think that would probably be the waistband because I've seen the pockets on a six-year-old boy's pants and there's no way they can accommodate a handgun. Our son is nearly five. The pockets, and he's wearing pants in January because it's winter, the pockets are very, very small. <laughs> so that means if the six-year-old is transitioning his mommy's gun from a backpack to his person, that means he legitimately is using his waistband to hide and conceal the weapon. More information has been released over the last 24 hours. Yesterday, Abby Zwerner, who's got ties to Greene County, a resident of Greene, she went to school at James Madison University, and she's teaching first grade at a public school, an elementary school in Newport News. Yesterday, her attorney started offering more details on what happened. And her attorney described how on four separate occasions, administrators at this Newport News public school were warned that the six-year-old boy was bragging or talking about having a gun on his person. The six-year-old at recess on the playground told a classmate that he had a gun, and if the classmate said anything, the six-year-old threatened to shoot him. The classmate warned a teacher, the teacher warned administrators in that school, and nothing happened. Four times, administrators were warned at this Newport News Elementary School about it, and nothing happened. And as a result, a Greene County resident, a JMU graduate, a first grade teacher, Abby Zwerner, was shot. And one of the things that saved her life, perhaps... One of the primary things is she stuck her hand out in defense as the six-year-old pulled the gun on her. And when she stuck a gun out, almost as a stop method, with her hand spread, the bullet entered her hand and went out the back. Palm side first, back side last. But that friction, that resistance of a bullet going through her hand and then later into her body, that hand friction was enough to probably save her life. And today, she's hired an attorney. The attorney has initiated a lawsuit. And undoubtedly, she's going to get a bag of money because she was left out to dry. We have more information to relay to you. Then I weave Judah Wickhauer in the mix. And then we localize it to Almoral County Public Schools and Charlottesville Public Schools. The vice principal, the assistant principal at this elementary school, surprisingly resigned. I would not be surprised if the assistant principal who resigned, Ebony Parker, if we learn later that she was the one warned by the four separate people, the four separate parties, that the six-year-old had a gun on his person. Furthermore, the school board and Newport News fired the superintendent. Now, Judah's going to offer some insight into the sweetheart deal the superintendent has received after getting fired. It was a 5-1 vote. In a 5-1 vote, the Newport News school board voted Wednesday night, last night, 
to let Dr. George Parker III go from his position as superintendent of schools in Newport News. This firing was a direct result or correlation of the six-year-old boy who shot his teacher inside an elementary classroom nearly three weeks ago. Now I have one other tidbit to relay to you before you put the two shot on screen. Let's have it framed nicey-nice. This public school, this elementary school, has been closed since the shooting. If you're a parent of a student in this school, what have you done with your elementary age student with his or her school being closed for basically a month? Think about all the fallout and collateral damage from this. Teacher goes into the hospital, critical condition. Fortunately, today she's recovering. Attorney hired, lawsuit coming. Teacher's going to get a bag of money. Attorney will get a payday as well. Six-year-old, learning disability, mental disability. He's going to be scarlet-lettered for the rest of his life and certainly the rest of his public school career. Mom of the six-year-old, will charges be pressed and filed? Will she go to jail? Superintendent of the schools, lost his job. 5-1 vote school board. Assistant principal of this elementary school, resigned. Why? Because she knows she's going to be the fall guy, the fall gal. School board under significant fire, and yet more ammunition in the political battlefield, the political landmine that we call public schools in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Two shot, two shot, two shot. Judah Wickhauer, director of the Fine and Fair talk show, with a notebook filled with quality information. The show is yours. Where do you want to begin on this topic? Please, I hope it's with the superintendent's sweetheart payday, Judah Wickhauer. Yeah, um... I'm pretty amazed that uh, in light of everything that's happened uh, and this guy getting, uh, getting fired by the, by the school board, <clears throat> he's got a separation agreement they gave him uh, that's going to pay a little over $502,000 in severance, two years of his, of his current base salary. So he's getting a half a million dollar payday for getting canned. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Half a million dollar payday for getting canned. Yeah. Second superintendent in the Commonwealth of Virginia in the last six months to lose his job. Look at Loudoun County for another example. What else struck you from the turn of events? Well, this has less to do with the, uh, where it happened and, uh, and Virginia and more to do with just the insanity of schools these days. Uh, I, I found this fact that uh, administrator positions in in schools have grown over 87% between 2000 and 2019. The number of students have grown 7.6% and the number of teachers have grown 8.7%. That's a damn good statistic. Relay that statistic again from start to finish. I'm giving you props here. This This is important. Listen to this. Good ammunition from Judah Wickhauer, pun intended. The number of district administrators in U.S. public schools has grown 87.6% between 2000 and 2019, compared to student growth of 7.6% and teacher growth at 8.7%. So what that, the question that that led me to is how much of the cost, how much of what we're paying per student at public schools is 
The cost of administrative staff. A, a co- the cost of bloat on the payroll atop the totem pole in each system. Yeah. If we're paying $18,000 a year per student, how much of that is because we have way too many administrators? 18000 plus per year for Albemarle County students, the average spent per student. We are in the top 10% in the Commonwealth of Virginia and per pupil spend at Albemarle County Public Schools. And Judah Wickhauer, the fantastically talented director of this talk show, asked this question. How can employee salary atop of the totem pole bloat at this clip when the teacher pay, the teacher retention, and the student performance from an SOL standpoint does not reflect the substantial costs of administrator salaries? That's the question you're asking. Yeah, and then to bring it back to the to the original topic, with all of these extra administrators, how is it that something like four people coming to uh, coming to you know the office, the administrators, and uh, bringing up this kid having a gun? How does that how does that fall through the cracks? How does that what? How does that fall through the cracks? You're saying it should never fall through the cracks. Yeah, it's like if there was one person and they were overworked, maybe I could understand it. If you've got if you've got a bloated administrative staff, how is it that uh, that every single one of them is just passing on this? That's, that's a great question. The most concerning aspect of this, well, there's so, there's, I, I don't I'll, I'll rephrase. And then I'll read your comments. Kelly Jackson will get to your comment. Lisa Costello will get to your comment. Um, Kevin Yancey will get to your comment. KJ's comment, Kelly's comment is firsthand from Monticello High School and her daughter, There's so many concerning aspects to this. But one of the things that I find very concerning is the first person to warn, the first party to warn the the elementary school administrator was Swerner, right? Was the teacher herself. Yeah. Abby Swerner herself went to a school administrator, according to her attorney, to tell them that the six-year-old had threatened to beat up another child that same day. She went to the administrator and said, this six-year-old is threatening children. She was the first. Three other parties then warned the the elementary school administrators that this kid had a gun on his person and nothing was done. In fact, one unnamed administrator at this elementary school said this in downplaying the incident. He has little pockets. So if you can't tell for sure he has a gun, then he does not have one. Think about that. How do you argue with that kind of logic? He has little pockets. So if you can't tell for certainty that he has a gun, then he does not have one. The fourth and final uh, whistleblower was told by the administrator, the school day is almost over. Just wait it out. I want you to hear the logic utilized by 
the school's leadership. The third warning, the administrator told the third whistleblower, the kid has little pockets. He's six. If you can't tell for certain he has a gun, then he doesn't have one. And I, then, think that, I think that was in reference to the fact they didn't find one in his backpack at that time. Right. Then the fourth one, the fourth whistleblower, was told, it's the end of the day. Wait it out. Guys, that should scare the absolute bejeebus out of you. Now, let's use this Newport News scenario as a trampoline or as a springboard to localize, humanize, and personalize the storyline and associate it with Charlottesville, Albemarle, and Central Virginia. Here are some things that stand out to me. Yesterday we talked about teachers and local schools here in Charlottesville area being trained with the ALICE method, the acronym. Basically an active shooter training protocol process that they were trained in earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're going through that training. So am I. It's extremely unfortunate the teachers are having to go through this training. But after seeing the ball dropped so many times in this Newport News Elementary School, I'm glad they're going through this training. Mm -hmm. Next, we've had two protocols or two precedents, two precedents in the last six months. Heck, in the last four months of school boards utilizing votes in democracy and their power to fire a superintendent. We've seen it twice in the last four months and change in the Commonwealth of Virginia alone, Loudoun County, and now Newport News. We're seeing administrators in the school, in particular the assistant principal, Ebony Parker, resign. And the reason she's resigning is because She's going to be the fall person for this, especially if she was told four times that a six-year-old had a gun on him or was threatening people and did nothing about it. She's resigning to get away from this as quickly as possible to minimize exposure come lawsuit time. We saw a similar tactic utilized in Charlottesville City with some of Charlottesville City's employees right before the Brackney lawsuit. We had a number of people resign. You had Chip Boyles take another position. You had Brian Wheeler quit. You had a number of people hit the road jack and leave City Hall to distance themselves from Brackney in this lawsuit. Lastly, I think it's important to emphasize this. This turn of events will undoubtedly be prevalent in the next I don't know, 10 months as we head to an election, a local election in an off-off year. Not only locally in Central Virginia, but across the Commonwealth with a number of state Senate and House delegate seats up for re-election. Anything you want to add to this topic that stood out to you? Nothing in particular, but uh, I mean, with all this... uh with the excess of administrative staff and their lack of desire to 
to tackle problems. I, it's hardly surprising that people like, like my friend who, uh, who quit the, the Charlottesville school system at the end of last year are leaving. I mean, he told me basically the same thing. He would send a student to the office for, uh, uh, for misbehaving, for, for whatever reason, and the student would be back in the class in five minutes because ed- the administrative staff didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, it's just utter... I would, that would aggravate the absolute bejeebus out of me. Yeah. That would aggravate the absolute bejeebus. Yeah. If you take a troubled kid and you jettison the troubled or, or troublemaking student out of your class, and in 10 minutes after kicking the, the, the boy or the girl out of the class, they're back in the class? Yeah, office told me to... That would be demoralizing and disheartening at best. Yeah. The catalyst for quitting, most likely. Realizing you have no control over your own classroom. That there is no accountability. Yeah. That's basically what that means. Yeah. All right, let's get to comments here. I want to go to Twitter first and to direct message where an incredibly valuable listener of this fine and fair talk show is offering perspective. His name is Anonymous, the I Love Seville versions, uh, I Love Seville network version of Deep Throat. He says, Jerry and Judah, Seville City Schools Division, 850 employees in Charlottesville City Schools. Only 480 of those are teachers. 850 employees, 480 of those are teachers. 110 instructional aides, instructional aides in Charlottesville City Schools, which I guess you can say should count as teachers for the teacher admin ratio. If you count the instructional aides, it takes the number to 590. 850 minus 590. Do some quick math right there. That's 260 people that are non-teachers in Charlottesville Public Schools. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. And Warrior AG says on Twitter, Dr. Haas, this could happen in Almoral County if you continue to turn a blind eye. I will mention this live on air. Thank you for watching. Period. Tweet send to Warrior AG. Sent. More comments coming in. Kelly Jackson's comment. Her daughter at Monticello saw the most recent brawl that included multiple fights at Monticello Mm -hmm. High School. This happened last week. She said it was terrifying her daughter did. I'll read the comments specifically from KJ. KJ, when you watch the program, the show is better. Monticello High School was on lockdown last week because of multiple fights in the halls. The principal did do a, did do a good job of communicating to parents about this. Still, it was terrifying. She adds in a second comment, why are these kids allowed to come back to school after causing the school to go on lockdown and hurting other kids? Thank God no weapons involved the lock, were involved in the lockdown, but, I, but it can easily escalate. It makes me so nervous as a mom. Dude, if you're responsible for a lockdown of your school, I agree with her. Mm-hmm. There should be an extended period of time, if not permanently, that you're not allowed back in the school. Yeah, suspension. Or expulsion. Yeah. I mean, get rid of. Why isn't that happening? Is this a byproduct of wokeism? 
Is this a byproduct of the cancel culture? Is this a byproduct of everyone gets a trophy culture? Is this a byproduct of there's no last chances that we will always offer chances to people? Because that's not how the real world works. Yeah. Right? Am I missing something? Bill McChesney says this, the Charlottesville School Board and administrators want to blow up Buford and Walker and the current grade population in the schools, K-4, 5th through 6th, 7th and 8th, and 9th and 12th. They're looking to, to reconfigure schools. And I want to put this on your record, on your radar, because it's flying under the, on, on, under the radar. Cree Deeds and the delegates in Richmond have a lot of mom- momentum right now. I have a lot of momentum right now um, that would offer the opportunity for a local jurisdiction to raise taxes for the sole purpose of reconfiguration, a one-cent increase on sales tax in each jurisdiction. For the sole purpose of that sales tax revenue from the one-cent increase being allocated to school reconfiguration or capital improvement projects within public schools. That's happening right now. Carol Thorpe, the queen of Jack Jewett, I'd like to see a comprehensive tally of the number of vice principals and other administrative staff at each city and county school to compare it with the number of students to determine how much they are overstaffed with non-instructional staff. Add up their salaries. I'd love to see that too, Carol. Yeah. Would you love to see that? Yeah. I I think it would be enlightening. It would be enlightening. You know what would be a uh, very interesting proposition? Hmm. This makes me nostalgic of what Elon Musk has done at, ta- at uh, Twitter. Hmm. Elon Musk has essentially fired or influenced or encouraged the resignation, the quitting of, and don't, don't quote me on the number, but I think it's like 70% of his staff. Twitter is running with roughly 30% the staff that it previously ran before Elon Musk purchased Twitter. Has anyone noticed any differences with Twitter with 7 out of 10 employees no longer working there? It makes me think, would we notice any difference with the public school systems if we started trimming some of the administrative bloat off the payroll and utilizing the savings from trimming the bloat off the payroll by giving that money to the teachers, the frontline workers who deserve the additional money. And the bus drivers. And the bus drivers. And the cafeteria workers. And the janitorial staff. Yeah. Got to forget, got to remember all those. Elon Musk spent tens of... 10 plus billion dollars, tens of billions of dollars, buying a company. Then he needed return on investment. And how he got ROI quickly, or how he's trying to get ROI quickly, is trimming fat off the payroll. Roughly 70% of the fat. I don't know about you, but I haven't noticed anything different with Twitter since he's trimmed 7 out of 10 people off the payroll. Still running the same to me. Well, to take the other side of the argument, please it, do. It could be that uh, that a lot of that uh, a lot of that fat that was trimmed, so to speak, was uh, was R and D. I mean, I'm sure part of it was from research and development. Yeah, I'm sure part of it was from other uh, departments as well. No doubt. 
I mean, it, 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 I'm just saying that I don't think all of it. I mean, it's not like they needed all those people to actually run Twitter. In fact, I would guess that a lot of the the running is automated, <clears throat> and that uh, there. I'm sure there are certain things that they are no longer doing. Comments coming in fast and furious, J-Dubs, on this topic. Parents are scared. This was a topic. My wife and I were talking about this. You know what stood out to her? Hmm. Besides the safety of kids, which is her number one priority as a protective mama bear, what stood out to her is the school's been closed since January 6th. It's January 26th now. So we're talking the school's been closed for three weeks plus. I can, I can kind of understand. I can definitely understand in the case of her class. I would imagine those kids... But the school in totality? Right. The school in totality, I, that seems excessive. Like, how, what about the working moms and dads? What, what happens to the kid if the parents are both working? They're all of a sudden paying for school and for daycare. Because you're saying they're paying for school through their taxes, and then they're having to go out of pocket for daycare to come up with a stopgap solution. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's crazy. Got more comments coming in Fast and Furious. Christelle is watching and Fluvanna. She's uh, one of the best director of events and catering and off-site fun at CNO Restaurant. She's a talented businesswoman herself. She says, I cannot speak for what is happening in the city of Charlottesville or Almoral County schools. However, in Fluvanna County, there have been many expulsions Many of these expulsions are not known to the public. However, any parent can call the superintendent in Fluvanna and speak to the superintendent and find out what is being done with children that are being disciplined. Hmm. They have caused issues in the school. You can find out from the superintendent in Fluvanna County. That's a good comment. She speaks to the, uh, the um, transparency in Fluvanna. I read this live on air. Thank you for watching today. I also want to say this, and this should not fly under the radar enough. This should not fly under the radar. You got multiple school systems, Loudoun County and now Newport News, that have fired their superintendents. And I'm not out here utilizing this platform calling for heads to roll. But I am utilizing this platform to encourage school board leadership in Albemarle to demand better from schools, demand better from Dr. Haas and his cabinet and his direct leadership team, demand better, demand better from the school board. Ask the school board, what are you doing to keep this from happening? What are you doing in Almoral to keep what happened in Newport News from happening here in our home? I'd love to know a plan of attack. Lynn Snyder is watching the program on one of the 15 Facebook pages this show is airing upon. And she says, holy moly, this is a complicated, incredibly difficult topic. And she says, accountability has to go back to the home, to the parents to start with. We should highlight that. I agree with that. Let's talk accountability. How does a six-year-old get his mom's gun? Yeah. The mom has said on the record through her attorney that the gun was in a locked box mm-hmm. on the shelf in a closet, the top shelf. So she basically says, and she also said in the same press conference through her attorney that the six-year-old has a learning disability. 
So here's what she did in the press conference. She said, learning disability son. Of course, that was emphasized. We know why that was emphasized. Yeah. Basically, she's alluding he's not all there together when he did this shooting. Secondly, she emphasized through her attorney that the gun was put in a lockbox on the top shelf of a closet. She did that to make sure that she papered the trail, papered the record, that the gun was protected, it wasn't laying around, I should not be held accountable here. Somehow he scaled the top shelf of the closet, uh, the top shelf in a closet, figured out the code. She said the lockbox had a code on it. Yeah. Then he figured out the code on the box. Then he took the gun out of the box. Then he hid the gun in his backpack at home so his mom knew that the gun was not gone. Then he took the gun out of his backpack while in school, figured out a way to, first he figured out a way to get the gun into the school in the backpack. Snuck the gun into school in the backpack. Then when the backpack was not needed, maybe it was put in the locker, put elsewhere, the gun was taken from the backpack and put into his put on his person. I have a almost five-year-old. I know how small the pockets are in pants. There's no way a gun fits in a, a pants pocket. I don't think I can fit a, I mean, do we know what kind of gun it was? I, I'm, unless it was a, like a snub-nosed revolver, I don't think I could fit a gun in my pocket. I can't fit a gun in my pocket. What, uh, I mean, all of this does not point to a uh, to a child with learning disabilities, if he was able to uh, kind of what I was alluding alluding with when I did the flip book of of taking the gun from the top shelf yeah, of the closet I with a passcode on it. Yeah, he figured out the code. It may not have been. It may have been one, two, three, four. Who knows? But all all the rest of that speaks to somebody that uh, that put a, at least a fair amount of thought into all this. I concur. hiding it from his mom. Hiding it in his backpack, then uh, taking it out, and you know, just um, I don't know. Um, she may be right. There's probably no way of knowing if she if she's being honest about the uh, the lockbox. But uh, uh, on the on the other matter, it sounds like the kid uh, knew what he was doing. Um, Katie uh, Katie Pearl's watching the program. KTP, welcome to the show. The Queen of Whitehall, Katie Pearl. She says she has heard amazing things about Fluvanna County Schools and the Fluvanna County Superintendent. Um, and that's in response to Christelle's comment. Um, thank you for watching the show today, Katie Pearl, KTP, the Queen of Whitehall. We love when you comment, KTP. Utilize, this is what I'd like to do with this topic, topic before going to the next one. This whole circumstance that happened this month in an elementary school, we should be putting this on the radar, and it should be a talking point at school board meetings. There's a school board meeting tonight. At the meeting, we should say to the school board, to Dr. Haas that's at the school board, what are you guys doing to prevent stuff like this from happening at Amaro schools? Right now, we don't have school resource officers in the schools. As far as I know, there's not metal detectors to get into the schools. What are administrators doing to take the teachers reporting violations seriously to prevent them, to keep them from going from gun on person 
and stopping it there. Yeah. Because all someone would have to do is was tap the six-year-old on the shoulder and just use the eye test to see a gun. Right? Maybe. Okay, instead of the eye test, ask the kid, do you have a gun? And if somebody, if multiple people have reported that the kid has a gun... Four! That, four individual people! At that point, I think you've got to... Smoke, at, there's fire! At the very least, separate the the child from, from the rest of the school population. Isolate the kid and do some basic investigation. Yeah. You're dealing with a six-year-old here. Yeah, like, I, I get that maybe you can't, uh, you can't pat the kid down. I understand that, but if you, you have... You can a, ask him. If you have a credible... Well, he may lie, but if you have a credible, you know, belief that the child has a weapon on him, at the very least, put him in a room by himself. Yeah. Take it seriously. Yeah. Katie Pearl has this. That was my thought too, Judah, that this child is very much with it and aware of what he is doing. If he was able to open the safe or the gun was not secured and he was able to just grab it and put it in his bag without his mom noticing. Yeah. We shouldn't take this six-year-old for granted. And Carol Thorpe says the term learning disability covers a wide spectrum. It doesn't automatically mean this child was incapable of understanding what he did. I also yeah. know of some typical, typical functioning six-year-olds who would, by their nature and ability, be incapable of doing of what you just described. Well said. And to, and to, Highly functioning. And to add to that, there was, I, I believe there was another mention in the article about the fact that he had, uh, the child had shown someone else at the school another child on the playground at recess and then threatened the kid that happened threatened the kid to not tell he told his buddy means he definitely knew that he was in the wrong he told that 100% happened that 100% happened and is acknowledged in the lawsuit he pulled the gun out at recess on the playground showed his homie showed his friend his buddy his pal his chum and then said, if you tell anyone, I'll beat you up. No. He says, if you tell anybody about this gun, I will shoot you. Hmm. That's the verbatim in the story. If you tell anyone about this gun, I will shoot you. Interesting. So he knew, to Judah's point, and it's a really good point, that he was doing something wrong. Yeah. He knew he was doing something wrong. Comments coming in fast and furious. I hope this comes up at the school board meeting tonight. It should come up in the school board meeting tonight. What is the protocol that's in place for this school system? Yeah. Katie says, my six-year-old would not know how to do that unless I taught him how to do it. I agree. Dude, our soon-to-be five-year-old can't find his shoes. Our soon-to-be five-year-old literally cannot find anything. I asked my oldest son, put your shoes on. He, he puts them on backwards still or is mismatching a pair of shoes or refuses to do it. My five-year-old, if I said scale the shelf in the closet, get the locked box with the handgun, crack the passcode of the locked box with the handgun, take the locked box, put it exactly back where you find it, except remove the gun from it, scale back down from the shelves... Make sure Close mom the closet door. Make sure mom doesn't figure it out. Make for... sure mommy doesn't see that I took the gun. Hide the gun in the backpack. Don't mention anything about the gun. 
go to school, sneak into school, walk through the front door, walk by the teachers, go to your locker or wherever you put your belongings, take the gun in very DL fashion from your backpack, put it on your person, carry it around throughout the entire day on your person as a six-year-old, whip it out only at recess with no one looking, threaten people if they tell anyone about the gun that you'll shoot them. I mean, this is sophistication. Yeah. This is sophistication for a six-year-old. No doubt. This is like a, this is like a elaborate planning. For six? Mm-hmm. I say to my son, go put your shoes on. What, what do you mean, Daddy? It's like Kevin in, in Home Alone. Pack my suitcase when Kevin's parents ask him to pack to get ready for the trip to Paris. He said, pack my suitcase. And then one of his cousins said, you're what the French call, and you speak French, laissez-compétent. <laughs> you say the phrase for me. Le, uh, I think it would be uh, laissez-compétent. Yeah, that's what it was, which I would imagine would mean, what, incompetent? Yeah. Can't the, do anything for yourself? The incompetent. Context, context clues? Remember that? And Kevin in Home Alone, now granted, maybe that's not the best example, because Kevin then proceeded to keep the, the, the wet bandits at bay for like a week and change while his parents were gallivant in Paris and then taking a moving truck with John Candy's polka band back to Chicago, remember? So maybe this isn't the best example because Macaulay Culkin, Kevin, and Home Alone was pretty damn good keeping the wet bandits out of the house. <laughs> my, 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 my most favorite uh, of all the booby traps set in Home Alone 1 it was either the, the, the sliding line. What, what are those lines called where he slid from the house to the tree fort? Zip line. Uh, yeah, the zip line was dope. I also liked how he slung the full paint cans with the rope from the second floor and was hitting Marv and Joe Pesci in the face with them. That's then classic. he picked up the tarantula and put it right on Joe Pesci's chest so Marv hit him with the crowbar. Remember that? <laughs> Or, or how he threw the ice, the water on the stairs, and they all iced over and they fell. Or he used the blow... Okay, this isn't a great example. Kevin, Kevin would be a phenomenal criminal. No doubt. Kevin on Home Alone, good Lord, he could have probably robbed banks and gotten away with it in that movie with the tricks that he was utilizing. Don't you have questions, parents? I have a lot of questions. How the hell did this happen? And you know what? I am the least, I am the least, um, I am not a fan of people being litigious and utilizing lawsuits and the law and threats to get paid. I hate that. Yeah. For the most part, I hate that. But in this particular scenario, I hope she gets a stack of money. Yeah. I hope she gets a Brinks truck of money. I hope she never has to work again. Yeah. I hope a, an example is made of this and she gets millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars where it scares the H-E double hockey sticks out of school boards and superintendents and school systems moving forward where they take threats like this seriously as yeah. opposed to going 0 for 1, 0 for 2, 0 for 3, and 0 for 4 with reported threats, yeah. ignoring them altogether. And then we're just lucky that the woman wasn't killed. Right, right. Albert Graves says, let's not forget the same kid pulled the gun on the playground. He's right. Mm -hmm. 
Janice Boyce Trevelyan, great comments. She says, as a parent of a teacher, I am scared for her. This goes back to what we were talking about yesterday. How many teachers that are active right now, if you're a teacher that's active right now, how many of you would say to your children right now, don't go into the profession that I am in? Is the true collateral damage of what's happening right now, is the true collateral damage of violence in hallways, sex in bathrooms, alleged sexual assaults in locker rooms after football practices? Or is the true collateral damage a generation of kids hearing from their parent teachers, their their parents that are teachers, not to get in the profession? And 10 to 20 years from now, we have such little engagement of people wanting to be teachers because for an entire generation they heard to stay away from this field of work. Is that the true collateral damage? 15, 20 years from now, everyone's been terrified by mass school shootings and incompetence from administrators and political landmines that are public schools and the fact that teachers are now played like pawns, leverage in political campaigns? Is the true fallout 15 to 20 years from now People not engaged in in applying to be teachers? Could be. Think about that. What's your take on that? I've got to charge my laptop. Um, And if you don't want to give a take on that, give a take on something else. No, I think that... uh, I think teacher is a... Being a teacher is a, is a, a job that people choose for a lot of reasons but i think uh, i think most of them it's you know it's about it's about teaching it's about the kids i think that uh i doubt that there are a whole lot of parents whether they're teachers or not who are telling their kids to uh go to school to become a teacher it's certainly not a high paying field um and so i think i think the school systems will always have uh a core of of highly um, highly passionate teachers who are there because they love the kids and they love educating. Yeah, same mindset as a nurse. Someone gets into nursing, someone gets into teaching, they're doing this because they want to, they have um, a DNA makeup yeah. that is selfless, giving, altruistic, philanthropic, caring, Motivated you, by change. Because you could probably make a lot more money and, doing, work, and work a lot less. Doing way other stuff. No, I was going to say being a school administrator or being a doctor in each of those two cases. So we, we take these two fields, nursing and teaching, and we try to make it the most difficult professions possible. Pay them nothing, overwork them, have them work terrible days, weekends and holidays, Crappy times, long hours, underappreciated, constantly under duress, terrible quality of life, and now the teachers have to worry about their students and beating them up or shooting them. And their administrators and their bosses not having their back. Yeah. And their parents leveraging them as, as, as political ammunition. That's today's climate. Anonymous through a direct message on Twitter says, by the way, Jerry and Judah, Seville City Schools, there's 10 principals 
and 16 assistant principals and 4,200 students. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood, a thriving suburb of Crozet, the king of Greenwood, Kevin Higgins. The question is, how do we identify the next six-year-old that is capable of this, and what is the reporting process? We need a school-only 911 system. I think we also just need to know that if somebody brings this to uh, That's an, the main an administrator's right attention, that they will take the threat seriously and not, uh, and not say uh, uh, the school day is almost over. Yeah, or he's got little pockets. Yeah. Newport News Public Schools, settle, <clears throat> settle, settle, give her a bag of money, close this chapter as quickly as possible. Settle, 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 close this chapter. Yeah. Because the next thing that's coming up for you, Newport News Public Schools, is all your dirty laundry getting aired. Settle. Oof. Hmm. Lisa Costello. She says, my son has a learning disability. A friend told me to get the gun out of my house, and I agreed to take it until such time of Lonnie would ever be mature enough to have a gun in the same house. I got the gun out of the house at my friend's advice due to a disabled son who has autism. Kevin Yancey in Waynesboro is saying the accountability has to start at home. Regardless of what the administration failed to do, the weapon should have never been there to begin with. You can shift responsibility from the ultimate caregiver, the parent. You cannot shift, he says. I, I agree the accountability has to start at home too, Kev. 100% agree there. But the news cycle has shifted, and now the news cycle is focused on the school board the superintendent getting laid off. Granted, he's walking with $500,000. The superintendent literally is getting laid off, but he's getting a $500,000 payday, two years' pay. Do you think the superintendent, if given this option, you can keep your job or you can get this $500,000 payday? What would the superintendent do if given that option? If there was no if there was no shooting. The school board literally went to him, say no, no shooting happened. Hmm. And the school board went to this guy and said, keep your job or we'll give you $500,000 pay and you can do whatever the hell you want. But you've got to be fired. But you can't have your job. Would it just be that he leaves the job and gets the $500,000? Yeah, leaves or the job. they're not even going to fire him? No, he'd just be like, here's $500,000, you can't work here anymore, but you can go do whatever you want or you can keep your job and just keep earning your two fifty a year. I mean, I guess that would be a great test of how much uh, he really care for the how work. Much passion he has for yeah. that job. Chad Wood says, "I'm not sure what the answer is, but doing nothing, doing nothing, certainly is not." I agree, yeah. Chad. I'm responding to your comment right now, and that's what I'm trying to do with this show. Right now, what is being done at Almoral or Charlottesville City or area schools to prevent this from happening? One of the things they did earlier this week was the active shooter training, Alice. Yeah. So they're trying to do something. 
Someone at the school board meeting tonight needs to say, school board and Dr. Haas, what are you doing specifically to prevent this from happening? And hear the response. Like, we should have the school board and Dr. Haas paper the on-the-record trail. The question should be asked on the record. This shooting happened in Newport News, which is two and a half hours away from us. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to keep this from happening in Admiral County Public Schools? And then he should answer on the record, and the school board members should answer on the record, and that is papered trail documentation that can be referenced if something terrible like this happens locally. Paper trail record. You agree? Yeah. Oof. All right. Makes me nervous. I'm nervous too, Janice Boyce Trevelyan. I'm nervous too, Janice. Very nervous. All right, let's get to um, the next topic on the Fine and Fair talk show. Show the photo of Michael Kochis. Charlottesville police chief. That's on screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen, guys. My wife sent me this. Thank you, sweetheart, for sending this to me. I love this. Don't you? Yeah. It's a nice picture. I, 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 I love that he's doing this. They've got some great pictures of him with puppies, too. Yeah, I heard about that. And there are also several more of him uh, walking around. Uh, you know talking, why I love this? to locals. You know why I love this? Conscious said in his interview that he would connect with the community on a personal level. He would mm-hmm. build trust with the community on a personal level. And I'm going to cut to the chase. He's going to Hardy Drive. Today at 4 p.m. Yeah. For a walk and talk and encouraging the residents of Hardy Drive to come and meet himself and the chief and, and, and the police uh, team members. Yeah. Look, Hardy Drive is West Haven. Hardy Drive is kind of in between. 10th Street and the UVA corner. Hardy Drive, a lot of crime happens there. So for Kachis to say, I'm going to go to a block or a road in Charlottesville where a lot of crime happens and encourage the residents who are fearful, concerned to come talk to us, that's real. It's not like he's going to Rugby Road yeah, or to the Greenbrier neighborhood mm-hmm. or North Downtown or Belmont or the CNO Roadhouses behind between Beer Run and the Downtown Mall that are a million too. He's going to the spot where crime happens and says, let's talk and let's figure it out. I've got another picture on screen now of him talking to uh, a, Look res- at the screen. a resident somewhere. Uh, this was... Uh, Looks like this was the Prospect neighborhood. This is Prospect? Yeah. Another, another hotbed for 
concern and crime. Where are you getting these photos? From the Charlottesville Police Department Facebook page? Yeah, same where I got the first one. Excellent. And there's another one coming in just a second. Look at the screen. Kyle Irvin, I believe you are publishing these photos on the Charlottesville Police Department page. You are the Charlottesville Police Department spokesman, Kyle Irvin. You're doing a fantastic job. Someone tag Kyle Irvin or tell Kyle Irvin we're giving him some props. The Charlottesville Police Department spokesman. You're doing a good job humanizing, localizing, and personalizing the CPD brand. Bill McChesney says, I tell folks that I know that I drove a school bus, and I tell them to think about real hard about being a school bus driver. It's one thing to pilot, pilot a 10-ton juggernaut on county roads. It's another thing altogether to do it while being the only person trying to keep order amongst chaos. Yeah, school bus driver sounds like a very, one of the most difficult jobs out there, especially during COVID. Let's ride in a tin can with the windows up, absolutely zero circulation, all breathing the same air during a pandemic, while 25 to 35 rugrats scream, hit, moan, and don't listen to you as you drive a 10-ton tin can around Albemarle County on back roads in inclement weather. <sighs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. Underpaid and underappreciated. Arguably one of the most important jobs out there taking our kids to and from homes to school safely. Good job, Cotches. I'll continue, I will continue to champion and continue to positively spotlight the Charlottesville Police Department, Almaro County Police Department, and departments in Central Virginia. I will continue to do that. Kevin Yancey says, go to Friendship Court in Orangedale next. For Cotches. All right, comments coming up. Put your comments in the feed, and I will relay them live on air. Why don't you go to the one-shot, J-Dubs? You're on a one? And uh, I'll talk the Lafayette Inn real quick. The Lafayette Inn and Restaurant in Standardsville is for sale. The asking price is $1,500,000. This includes the real estate. The Lafayette Inn and Restaurant is located just outside of the Shenandoah State Park in Greene County, and it has been continuously operated for more than 20 years and provides considerable room for growth. The Lafayette Inn was awarded the Wine Enthusiast Magazine Award of Distinction in 2005 and the 2006 Virginia Restaurant of the Year Award by the Virginia Wine and Food Society Banquet. The inn has six fully furnished suites, each with external entrances. There's a full-service restaurant on this inn, full on-site ABC license. It's located in Greene County. Over 8,000 square feet of usable, spa usable space, 13 original fireplaces. The dining room seats 40 people, the tavern 22, the courtyard 120 seats with a tenant option, and the parking lot can seat an additional 250, perfect for weddings and venue, weddings and events. $1,500,000 for the Lafayette Inn and Restaurant. Reach out to me if, if, if interested, please. Comments coming in. I want you to offer some closing thought perspective when you can, J-Dubs. 
Oh. I'm concerned as a dad and as a husband that we're prioritizing all the wrong things. I'm concerned as a dad and a husband that we're prioritizing things that may make us look politically correct or politically in vogue. I'm concerned we're prioritizing virtue signaling as opposed to tangible actions and protocols that keep our kids and students safe and learning and performing and posting good results in the classroom. And I understand that it's not a zero-sum game. I get that we can prioritize more than one thing at once and still have return on investment on that prioritization. Basically, I know that we can do more than one thing at once and yield positive results. But does it not seem right now that we're so focused on virtue signaling and so focused on rebranding and so focused on focused on elements that should not be atop the priority totem pole. And I'll leave it at that. What's the number one job for the school board? What's the number one job for the superintendent? From my standpoint, the number one job for the school board is to make sure the budget is allocated in the most efficient way possible the number one job of the school board is to support teachers and show that they back the teachers. And the number one job of the school board is to make sure that students are safe and that parents feel confident that their kids are learning in the best scenario possible. Do we think that is happening right now? Is the budget being allocated in the most efficient way possible? I don't think it is. Are teachers being supported or do they feel backed up by the school board and the superintendent? I know for a fact they don't. Do parents feel confident that their kids are learning in the most optimized setting possible, yielding the most optimized results possible? Parents don't feel that way. Do children feel safe? No, they, they don't feel safe. Accountability. Hold folks accountable. Demand accountability. Demand communication and transparency. And make sure action leads to the results we want. And the results we want now in this volatile climate, this volatile climate that breeds a sense of, wow, maybe we don't have safety in the hallways. Prioritizing actions like rebranding Meriwether to Ivy is not what should be atop the totem pole. Instead, it should be, let's get these results fixed, let's get these kids safe, let's get these parents feeling confident, and let's make sure these teachers feel supported. That's the four things that should be happening now. Any closing thoughts from you, Judah Wickhauer? 
You did a great job today. Yeah, I think I have similar concerns, especially regarding how how money is allocated. And in the case of uh, in the case of this superintendent who is fired and is getting a uh, five hundred thousand uh, dollar golden parachute. I mean, it's not even firing at that point. Right. And what's worse is it's you're basically punishing everybody in that district because now they've got to pay the salary of two superintendents for two years. Probably going to have to pay three because right now they're going to search for an interim superintendent. I just mean that whoever's paid for the next two years. They're going to have overlap with the two-year 500K. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a waste of, uh, of taxpayer money. And Once- Juan Sarmiento leaves a comment on your personal Facebook page. Juan Sarmiento is the king of transportation. I'm going to let him know that I'm going to read this on air. I'm going to read this on air right now. My son, he says, is a teacher for Orange County and has had almost zero support from administration. He has been hit by students, broken up fights, sent unruly students to the office only to have them sent back. He is leaving at the end of this school year at Orange County Public Schools. That's exactly what happened to my friend. I don't know that he, I don't know that he got hit by students, but he'd send a student to the uh, to the office, and they'd come right back. Office didn't want to do anything about it. It's a shame. Paul McCarter, who who I've thought would be a great school board candidate, king of the South Side, Paul McCarter. Um, says the school board's job is to make sure the tools are in place for the teachers and schools to accomplish the mission of teaching kids. They also need to hire, empower, and hold accountable a good superintendent. Good comment, Paul. Do we feel we have, this is a fair question, do we feel we have the right superintendent in place? Do we feel we have the right superintendent in place? just don't know you know I just don't know I just don't know (sighs) all right Tuesday edition of the show you did a great job today viewers and listeners you got fantastic comments Lynn Snyder fantastic comments today Bill KTP great comments Kevin Higgins Carol Thorpe great comments Kevin Yancey Christelle great comments You, uh, the viewers and listeners, make this show special. Warrior AG, job well done. JPT, Janice Boyce Trevelyan, job well done. Judah, job well done. Lisa Custolo, job well done. Had a couple of media outlets watching today's program. All right. Real talk tomorrow at 10.15 with Keith Smith. I Love Seville show tomorrow at 12.30. Local topics that matter on this network presented by Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. You guys have a good Thursday afternoon. Take care.